Welcome back <laughs> to your weekly instalment of the Celts Are Here podcast. Declan and Quinny, double trouble. Quinny's got the Kyogo scarf on. That's because he scored another two goals last night. And we'll be talking about his fine goal scoring record. Since we've last been on Quinny, we've booked ourselves in another cup final and we're still nine points clear. And we're looking good uh, once again after that 4 0 victory over St. Mum last night. Yeah, great result last night, great game. And uh, yeah, good to see Kyogo getting back in amongst the, getting back in amongst double digits, you know, getting back into two goals and that kind of thing as well. Because uh, yeah, a great game overall. I'm uh, as high as a kite on the performance last night in a lot of ways. I did a watch along for it, I had a great time watching the game. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a, a great result, a great way to kind of you know, like begin this new chapter of the season we were kind of speaking about last week, you know, like we've kind of bookmarked a part of that season coming back from the World Cup over the Christmas period. And it feels like last night was the real, like, the, you know, the, the first step in this kind of chapter of the season we're walking into now. Aye, I think that's a good point. I actually had a conversation with somebody I worked with yesterday um, who had said, you know, he's a Celtic fan, but he doesn't pay too much attention to things. Um, you know, use that term, loosely Celtic fan. Um, and he was saying, you know, what's kind of happened to us this, this season so far? And I said, I don't really know. I mean, you know, we won 2 0 against Kilmarnock in the, the league on that Saturday following the 2 8 storm of about to see in a semi final. We just, you know, I don't really think we were up in our, our gear at all, Quinn. We certainly did that last night. And I think a big part of that was probably what the manager had indicated before the game was that he wanted to freshen up the side. You could see towards the end of the semi-final on Saturday and that the conditions were starting to badly take it out the players. I know you were at the game like myself um, on Saturday. As a fan, it, it was rotten um, weather-wise when you were coming out. Thankfully, I think you were like me, that you were undercover. I know a yeah. few people who uh, had the old single character. You know, One of my pals was in row H and she was absolutely drenched. Um, but, you know, we were fortunate that both you and I were undercover, but for the players, it's certainly... You know, when you're a footballer, not the conditions you want to be playing in. When the pitch is poor, the rain's absolutely battering down on you, uh, and the the wind was swirling around. So you could see that was you know taking an effect in our play. But last night, as you say, seemed to be this. Don't need to call it a, a turning point at all because Celtic's been absolutely flying in the league this season. It just looked to be a bit more like our old sales. You know, probably going back to to the game at Easter Road where you've saw a performance just as good as that, and we hit four goals again. Yeah, I don't think, like, uh, I think the, the performance from everyone was really faultless. Like, I didn't at any point think this guy's no right for this game or this guy's not at it. Every single player was, and, you know, I've got ratings in front of me and all that kind of stuff, but watching the game, I wouldn't give anyone anything less than, like, 8 out of 10 last night on, you know, um, amplitude. probably the substitutes ethic. as well, Quinny, which is quite incredible, I think. James Forrest was unlucky not to get a goal from the bench, you know. Yeah. Um, never mind, obviously, Moy and Turnbull. Um, and what they got up to, Hakspanovic, uh, Maeda, and whatever. Yeah, yeah. I just thought from top to bottom, like it was just a, a great uh, performance. And like the whole, like, like you said, the manager kind of alluded to the fact he was going to shuffle the deck coming into this game. I predicted actually that um, Kobayashi would have got a debut today. I was quite chuffed to see that. I actually um, think you said night. that last week as well in the podcast. Yeah. I, I know I was, I was saying I was hanging off until the Morton game, but a, a good shout in there, Quinny. Well, what that kind of was born from is like, see if you look at like the last spell where Starfield came back into the team and Jens was playing good. Mm-hmm. Starfield played Real Madrid um, and then he missed a game, Jens started, and then Starfield played again 
And then the game after that was the St. Mirren match. And if you look at mm-hmm. it, you see that, oh, Starfield played 60 minutes in that game. But what you don't see is that Yen started that game, again, through choice, and he had to come off by injury. So, sure, like, that yeah. was the kind of, like, you know, and the manager's comments around that time was around something to the effect of, like, you know, the defenders have different attributes. And one of the things that Jens brings that probably Starfield didn't to him in his mind at that point was be able to carry the ball out from the back on that left side of defence. And when you see what Kobayashi did last night, like I was, I say I watched the game live on the channel and I was waxing lyrical. Like if you don't, if you, if you paid attention to Kobayashi last night for me and you see like the passes he was able to, you know, the passing lanes, he was able to slice balls through all the way through Mm -hmm. the match. And you don't understand how badly or how much that's going to make us better when everything else is on song, then I don't know what you've been watching this season so far because Starfell equally, I think that's the best game I've seen him play domestically. Like, it didn't put a foot wrong, didn't put a pass out of place. And he was at right centre half. And he was at right centre half and he swept everything up. And he's a wee bit more willing than Carter Vickers to cross the halfway line with the ball. Didn't really see too much of that last night, to, to be honest, but... I've been, you know, I'd probably say I've been one of Starfield's critics, certainly, you know, in terms of being in the best 11. But when you see him play in that position there, like, you know, he was absolutely impeccable. He wasn't caught on the left side thinking about taking a touch. And then I come on the inside, I play the fullback, getting caught in two or three mines. He's over there. He feels much more natural. He puts in an amazing performance. And I think Kobayashi, like, breezed through the game. I think there was one or two 50-50 situations where he didn't cover himself in glory. But as I say, when he was on the ball, like even his decision making, he never dived in. He never got caught totally. You know, he maybe didn't win the duel as it were, but he would recover position and Starfield would come and sweep with him. And uh, I thought that was great to see two centre backs, you know, and a, a, a configuration we've never seen. I'd say to my cousin uh, last night of the game, just looking at it, it was almost like a breath of fresh air to see that left centre back not having to take that touch that Starfield always kind of needs, Quinny, because he likes to kind of pivot back into his right foot. Um, which is just only natural, you know, if you're a right-footed player playing the, the left-sided position, um, you're going to have to do that. But I, I totally agree with you and that, you know, Stafford looked far more comfortable at right-centre-back for the majority of his Celtic career in that partnership with Cameron Carter-Vickers. Um, I know people would say, you know, Stafford looks good because Vickers is there. I still think he's a decent footballer. Um, I think that partnership's been integral to us, but it was like a, a breath of fresh air last night just to see how how comfortable um, it is to have that that left-sided uh, centre-half. You know, I, I remember having this conversation with somebody um, on the board at Celtic just after he'd signed and, you know, we'd been talking about, you know, how difficult it was to, to get left-footed defenders in general, left-footed uh, players. But, you know, as someone who watches English football, um, I know I don't try and allude to this too much on here, when I've watched Lissandro Martinez, for instance, going at Manchester United, they've looked a lot more balanced in there just because he's obviously naturally left-footed. So yeah, we saw that last night, but I totally agree with you. I think that's a really good place to start with Yuki Kobayashi. He looks really composed in the ball. Incredible to think he's only 22. I say only because I'm still 22. And I'm <laughs> starting to get to that point when that I've alluded to that um, Celtic players are starting to become younger than me and I can start using the word son at the football, which I don't like. Um... <laughs> And, and you know when you know they're making it and and whatever else. So, uh, a top top it's performance a feeling, from him. It? it is a weird feeling. Absolutely, as I I don't know how many people on here have that crossover. They might have over the years, but um, no, Kobayashi, I thought was terrific. And much like what the manager was saying when I asked him at the the press the other day about Maeda and Hatati, 
Kobayashi's going to be in that bracket that they're only going to get better. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and, you know, like it, it was great to see as well because, like, on that left-hand side, there was at least two, maybe three passes that he played down the left channel that Rio was on the front foot getting onto, and that was, like, a few of our good kind of attacking mm-hmm. plays, particularly in the second half um, when they were, you know, St Mirren, by the way, in my opinion, are top four opponents that we've played in the league this year. You know, In terms of game plan, absolutely. I, I would agree that I, I thought possibly after we went one up after a bad, I scored, they, they, they maybe, you know, they chucked it a wee bit in terms of their game plan, but they're certainly very dangerous uh, with the long throw-ins that they try and do. They're well organised. They were compact at times when they needed to be. And even just kind of touching back what we were saying about freshening the team up, you know, kind of you were saying about every player probably in around a solid eight. It shows how far our side have come since they defeated us 2-0 because on that day they were absolutely deserving of the win, um, in Paisley. But it just shows where we've came from, you know, and actually looking at that side uh, that, that lost the game 2-0 at Paisley, you know, many players in the team like Moy who was criticised that, that day and whatnot, you know, are some of our top performers at this point in time. So it shows how, how far the team have come. But on St Mern, I, I, I would agree. And that's been around the basis of a Stephen Robinson taking a lot of the core players that he had at Motherwell, but um, no, back back to St Monday the opponent, you know, the reason why I think we won 4-0 as well is, they had a go, they, they didn't try to, to come and play uh, what people have dubbed as, you know, terrorist football and sit in and, and bore everybody to death, they, they actually had a good go. Yeah, for sure, and like, that was what gave us like a little bit of that kind of space to run into for some of these balls to, to actually come off for them, and like when you see that line been hit so often and you get Rio on the front foot running at defences with Jota on the left, Kyogo coming in short or running in behind and then whoever else is up in support and O'Reilly or an Abada who started the game, then that's the sort of attacking threat we want to see these kind of players getting into. And equally as well, we switched the ball from left centre-back to right-back beautifully a few times for Alistair Johnson who was taking out mm-hmm. really good positions high on the right-hand side and... I felt quite. Um, I didn't feel bad Which, for him necessarily. He had a great game, but he could not get across past the. Or he couldn't get across off the deck for the most part, and he couldn't beat the, the first man, unfortunately. But looks very comfortable though, Johnson, doesn't he? Just really seamless. As again, it's quite incredible to think you've thrown in, you know, two defenders who had never played in the back four together, and they just both didn't look out of place, and also gave Ange Postecoglou that option at a plain Juranovic at left back because you already had that cover in there with, with Kobayashi, and again. I think Juranovic over the past two games, Quinny, as somebody who has touted to leave the club, uh, this window looks absolutely fine. He's given you all, and that's all you can really ask for. He plays left back like he did last night. Like he looks like a, he looks like a fifteen million pound right back. You know when he plays that, and a big part of that is like for him, his attributes and what makes Juranovic so good for us in our system is it how good he is on the ball, how composed he is, how strong he is in possession. And when he's playing that inverted fullback role, and we see how wild Taylor is, and what I mean by wild is he ends up everywhere, attacking mid, right wing, centre forward. And Juranovic is cool with doing that. And what we see, just the way Celtic have played, is you know anyone who's listening to this will have noticed, Rio Hatate then becomes kind of almost a left back in terms of the actual geography on the pitch. He's the one yeah. peeling out to that wide space. And having a left footer that can find him on that channel, um, as well as having Juranovic coming in as a midfielder there who's got the right foot to be playing out there as well. Yep, for the overload. It, gives, it gives Jota and it gives Rio fantastic service on that side. And I think, like, I've got Juranovic as the top scoring player in the match, 100 out of 100, done everything perfectly well last night. And um, he's at left back, you know, that's like, 
you know, that's a, a centre-back making his debut. That's a right-back not long in the door. That's Starfelt playing right centre-back. And then you know, we can't move away from the defence without saying probably one of his best games of the season also was the goalkeeper, Joe Hart. Two great he, saves, maybe three. He was somebody I was actually going to start um, off with today because, you know, we had a conversation, you and I, about him after the Rangers game. And I think that the criticism you know, at that point was fair, just in terms of talking about the, the bigger picture about his, you know, that moment at Ibrooks when, you know, he gets caught with the ball under his foot. It seemed to have given the home team a bit of belief and it's not what you're looking for from an experienced player in a derby game. I think that's a very fair criticism to make. Completely. We were looking at the bigger picture of when the contract was running up Quinny and how this team progresses because you and I and every Celtic fan wants us to be the best we can be. That's about evolving. It's not about hanging on to players um, for too long that they overstay their welcome and whatever else, or that they deteriorate um, as they're at the club. In terms of Joe Hart, though, the past two previous games, he has been absolutely outstanding. And, you know, at the weekend, I know he didn't get man of the match. He had a real big impact in the match. And without him on Saturday, you know, I don't think any player in the pitch on Saturday, um, apart from the goal scorers, has made a, has made a bigger impact on the game is Joe Hart. I thought he was outstanding against Kilmarnock. He made some really big saves. I'm thinking about that one in the second half when he gets down. He's really top saving in last night. Yeah, the one from Ayunga and the, the first half and then the, the, the one down the other end in the second half. Really, really two strong performances, which is, I think, what we, we expect of Joe Hart. But he delivered again. And, you know, I said when we were having that discussion a couple of weeks back, his experience was important. We know how good a player he can be, and he showed that in the, the past two previous games. So, um, I think, as I say, what we said at the time um, about that particular isolated incident was fair, but you know, absolutely yeah. no issue in saying two top performances from the goalkeeper. Yeah, totally. And like the, the even the like the save right at the end from Curtis Main, that volley he took um, right at the very end, like that was. Uh, a fantastic save, good reflexes. And the thing with goalkeepers that, like, like Ange always kind of says when he talks about Joe Hart, is you want a guy you can believe in, you know, just to play in the game. And like, if this guy's called upon, I know he's going to be his best and he's going to do his best and his best is normally going to be good enough. And it's games like that is where you see that from Joe Hart, where it's like, you know, that defence is crying out for a clean sheet this year. We've got a great defensive record, but it's very rare we leave a game with a, with a clean sheet this year. So, um, at the dying embers of the game, that's what a score a goal for somebody like him, you know, is pulling a save oh, out of that are, yeah. are even more vital, you know. And uh, yeah, I just thought before, you know, the, uh, the defense, uh, that whole backbone that we just went through was like the foundation of everything I was super happy about watching last night because everything was clean, everything was crisp, nobody was in two minds. The symmetry was great across the team from there. It does start from the goalkeeper ultimately and the build up as well. Joe Harbour's used quite well, and uh. Yeah, also with his saves as well, keeping the clean sheet and getting that over the line for us as well. Great performance, and even, big joke. And even looking at the game in um, Saturday, Quinn, I didn't particularly think, you know, even Cameron Carter-Vickers, who's practically a nailed on seven or eight every week, didn't have his best game in the semi-final. I think the conditions, as I say, played a big part in that. Um, but when you've got him behind you, you know, it just gives you that wee bit of confidence. And, and you know, a, a cup game, as we know, can... At any point, you can get knocked out of a cup. You don't know what the hell can happen in a cup competition. Exactly. And it's, you know, in moments like that, you need your goalkeeper to have big moments. Um, and even last night, you know, as you say, St. Man aren't a bad opposition. Um, I know they, they had the ball in the back of the night first with that offside, correctly given, it is offside. You know, it could be 
could be a different game then. We, we, we don't know when we'll Celtic, um, that's happened before. And I've come back and trimps teams. It's as if you're kind of hitting a, a big bear with a stick um, when you do that. But um, no, top marks to, to Joe Hart. And just, you know, not to skip ahead too quickly because we're only quarter an hour into this. But do you think um, going into the weekend, that, because it's a cup, the manager might change it. But no secrets, has been out with a calf injury. But does it go back to, to Scott Bain? It's not a conversation I thought I'd be having this conversation, but do you see Scott Bain maybe getting a wee outing um, against Morton in the Cup? Goalkeeper-wise, whoever's... If Seagrass, who knows what's going on with him? I don't think there's any real official reporting, is there? But yeah, I think the I goalkeeper think it's a calf change. injury. Calf injury is it? as far okay. as I know. Yeah. And obviously I Toby's went to, to Cork City as well, so it's only yes, Scott no. Bain or, or Connor Hazard. Yeah. Maybe Hazard, option? I don't know. But I, I could definitely see him giving uh, Joe Hart the weekend off, for sure. Maybe he keeps him in, because again, goalkeepers, you maybe want to keep um, uh, them in tempo. But like the manager's comments after the game, and again, we'll get onto the midfield shortly, but is uh, he was asked a question like this after the match, and his response was something to the tune of, the sentiment was the players that finished the game well, that were get, or the, the players in this match that I chose to give minutes to, did well enough to get more minutes. And that makes me think Turnbull will probably play at the weekend, as yeah. well as Moy, Haksabanovic, Kobayashi, and you know maybe one or two others. Um, so in terms of the goalkeeper, I think that would probably fall into that. As well. you know, like the Greenock game, with the greatest of respect to Greenock, and I'm from Dumbarton, so I don't really give Greenock too much respect to the best of times. Um, but <laughs> we can definitely rotate the goalkeeper, I think, if the manager... You know, cause the rest of the team should be strong enough to get us over the line, you would think, in material. I could be the goalkeeper, like, in theory. Phoebe. <laughs> as long as as long as the two set of halves is as good a game, you'd be absolutely fine. Um, I think I'd still go with the old. I think I'd still go with the crossbars. I don't know if I guess Greenock. I must add, there's a caveat. Uh, listen, listen, a corner and big Effie Ambrose in your team, you never know what can happen, you know. So, um, aye. So we'll see what happens. Um, people will, people might be thinking, no, they're, they're Declan's at it again, but be hard wanting to drop him after praising him. But it's not that case at all. It's it's a cup game. Be appear to be a team who likes to, to rotate our goalkeeper in the cup. Um, it's a squad game and that might be something that the manager thinks about. Um, so yeah, there's your defensive goalkeeper covered. Let's go straight up top with, with Kyogo. Um, quiet game at the weekend. Uh, again, you know, but we, we know why. It was difficult out there um, and you're not getting a lot of service. Well, he did um, get one or two ruled out, didn't he? Yeah, he did get, you know, one or two ruled out. Um We'll try and stay away from Val, but, uh, you know... Well, I was going last, to say earlier on... Last night was quite saying. surprising, although I yeah, think probably... Yeah, when you mentioned the Samirin goal, I was like, oh, really? <laughs> like, I was... Mm. The Samirin goal, I was watching it live, I'm like, man, that looks unsight to me, because... You know, From watching the sports they... scene, he is off. I've had a wee watch of sports scene, actually. VAR-wise, last night, pretty faultless. I think the only thing that's starting to really annoy people now is every time you score, it's a check, and it's taking far yeah. too long. And I think people are starting to get that to that frustrated point now, Quinny, that we're three months in, come this weekend of it, and we're no further on at all. And the ref standing with his earpiece in, waiting for, you know, a minute to two minutes just takes the, you know, the, the thrill out, it, I think, for people. You, you could see that last night, that yeah. people were getting visibly frustrated. I was getting frustrated with it um, and thinking, how can that be offside? So that takes it out the game. Um, but again, it's something that, that's there. So, if you don't mind me asking, Declan, because I never seen sports, you normally watched it on Celtic TV. Um, what is the, you know, what, what is the plan with VAR? Is it clear and obvious errors? Is it 
you know, what, what did they say and that kind of stuff or anything? Yeah, what I, is I, the actual I, mantra that they're, they're now singing? Do we know? I, 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 I don't really know. I really don't know. I mean, three months in, I don't think we're any further forward. This, and, you know, to mention his name on here, Charlie Nicholas, who is someone I don't agree with too often, but he wrote quite a decent piece the other day. And he's, he's called, you know, really speaking out against far. Scottish football's got the cheapest version of this. Um, we're not really giving the, the refs a... He thinks we're not giving the refs a chance. With that in mind, I think they're incompetent. I think they're really poor standard of referees. And I think as a mixture, that's why it's so bad, Quinny. The technology is the, the cheapest technology that they've got. And um, the, the refereeing standard alone with that is just a, a recipe for disaster, which we've seen played out. Um, and I know it takes precedent at the weekend um, Derek McInnes' comments seem to be the one getting drawn to with the Giacomacus one at the very end of the game which I think probably could be a penalty but again if we're going to talk about consistency on here we were denied something similar um, with Ralston in a derby game so if we're going to talk about consistency then it's not a penalty in terms of that um, but you know the one that I'm the, the rule I'm still not convinced about. I, I don't know if you share this. Is when an opposition player plays the ball back if the player's offside and he puts it into the back of the net, that appears to now be offside. And that rule's never been offside. That's twice it's happened to Celtic. There'll be a bad against Dundee United and Hatati at the weekend. Yeah, I would definitely have been done uh, with that. The bad one I remember being wildly frustrated about. Um, but again, it's just it, it depends on what song what song sheet they're reading off of, you know, like because. It seems to be, it, it felt like for a while with her, they were picking the rule that suited them at that time, you know, and saying, oh, it's this, because the handball stuff that they've chalked us for is not clear and obvious errors and whatever, you know, if that makes sense. So that's why I was one, because again, when I was looking at the Smirin offside, I thought, you know, that's not a clear and obvious thing like to interfere with, you know, is that, mm -hmm. are they, but do they interfere with it because it involves a goal and they have to get the goal right? So that's just the only thing from last night. I wasn't too sure if there was any kind of um, clarity added on to that kind of situation. But Kyogo's goals, both of them get checked by far. They were all clean as they come. And, you know, both both finishes, man. The first one is, like, right out of the, the Kyogo textbook. And the second one is, like, vintage Celtic talisman. Absolutely. Let's talk about the first one. Um, and let's talk about the record overall. I know there's been much debate in recent weeks about Kyogo and Yakimakis. I'm certainly one who thinks that Kyogo is the best striker at the club. I know there's a lot of people who don't think he's a centre-forward. Um, I, I think he is. I think he's a very good striker. 17 goals in 20 games in the league is an outstanding record. It's 18 goals over the course of the season. But just looking at those league goals, 17 and 20 is a ridiculous record um, for someone who's supposedly not a, a centre-forward. Um and as you say, the, the first one is outrageous. Um, it's almost, it's not as good as that League Cup final goal when he does something pretty similar, but it's it's absolutely phenomenal. And firstly, before we even go to Kyogo on it, the ball from Hatati, you've been talking about you know him drifting into those wide areas and then the, the ball that he plays round the defender to Kyogo is absolutely ridiculous. I don't know how yeah, he does that. It's all about you know the intelligence of these players but the, the, the ball to Kyogo, firstly, outstanding. And then the finish, I didn't think it was going in. And it, it seemed to hang in the air for an age. It hung in the air for an age. And it drops in. What a goal. What a goal. Yeah. 
absolutely stunning and it's, it's great to see like from all involved because again I think like the build-up play before the I think the, the play that sets Atati off is like some of the stuff we've already spoke about in the podcast you know and so yeah it was a sublime goal from start to finish and Kyogo like for some of the criticism he's came in for this season and obviously his record now looks exceptional a goal like that speaks above numbers you know a guy that has the ability to do that like like I say, it's talisman stuff, you know, it's like the leader of the team. And it came out of the game and, you know, the kind of circles that I kind of mix in, a lot of people are messaging me, like, how did Kyogo not complete one pass in this match? And when you look at the way, when you look at the game and how it went, and when you look at how St Mirren lined up, he ran that whole game. And again, from watching it on TV, I don't suppose I'll have a full appreciation of this versus anyone at the stadium. But he's just been running across that back line the whole game, running channels, making runs, keeping them busy, trying to create space. So the guys in midfield and defence have got two or three extra yards to to move in to, to find an angle or whatever. And to get those goals off the back of that work ethic without getting touches of the ball, without being involved in link-up play, sublime. You would expect that from Jackie Marcus, would you not? Yeah, you would. Um, clinical striker, all that stuff. And, you know, that was something... I think, again, it was very fairly aimed at the team throughout the Champions League. But, you know, when you're wanting a player to be in that position, you want to put the ball in the back of the night. Um, and he certainly did that. What, what do you think he can hit this season, Quinny? I think we've got 16 games left. I think he can hit He's 30 goals this 30. season. He's got to be looking at 30. And be, He's going to be... start every game he's fit. Mm. That's You've it. got to put him down for a goal a game, you know. Like, you kind of do at this point. <laughs> so, you, so you think so? Thirty? That your big shoot for so. this week? Sixteen games so, remaining. Yeah. Kyogo to hit thirty goals. I hope so. I think that'd be. I think that'd be fantastic. Um, I'd like to see a hat trick amongst them. I don't think he's hit a hat trick for Celtic uh, this season as of yet. Oh, he has. So the hat trick up at Dundee United. I'm talking rubbish. Um, oh. But yeah, the league record is ridiculous. I think overall. We'll hit them. It'd be very nice if we get a couple in the cup final just to kind of get closer to that mark. But um, he scored 20 goals last season, didn't he? So he's two yeah. off what he's he hit last season and he's got plenty of time. And um, he's got the full Scottish Cup card to do that, a cup final and 16 games remaining in the league to hit that. So, um, plenty go of on, time. wee man. Plenty of time. Go on, wee man. Abs- absolutely. Um, but, you know, you've mentioned another strike on Yakimakis, who at the weekend, you know, I, I can't fault the big man for everything that's going around. Um, rumour mill at this point in time he's coming off the bench at the weekend and all last night because he wasn't on the bench people you know, came to that conclusion right away I, I partly maybe thought that myself that that was you know Hymovsky. Um didn't say that until I heard what the manager had to say and he mentioned that both he and uh, Cameron Carter Vickers were out after the weekend um, I know Jackie Marcus came off the, the, the bench they featured but they'd pulled up a wee bit sore after the weekend so wanted to leave out but he was quite bullish, Ange Postacoglu, after the game in terms of, you know, defending that, you know, at this point in time, Quinny, if he's fit, Yakimakis will be involved in the squad on Saturday and like, will likely get game time. And that is, at this point, what we expect because they're still contracted to the club and they're still Celtic players. Totally. And like that totally um, falls in with everything the manager's done. Like, emotions don't really come into it with him, you know, like, to a great extent. It is quite clinical in that respect where he'll make the best decision at the time. And yeah, like it's, you know, it's business, it's not personal, as they, as they say in the mob, you know, so like, you know, the manager doesn't do his contract negotiations, he's not paying his wages, he's there to coach the team and win a match, and mm-hmm. if he's an available asset, he's still going to use him. And that's good to hear that there isn't any sour milk or there's not any, you know, kind of stink going on, which is great because there has been little, and again, I listen to as much uh, Celtic media stuff as I possibly can from a lot of great channels out there. 
And I've definitely heard somebody talk about recently the fact that maybe he was maybe a, an outcast in the team or not quite in with the in with the main group of the training sessions and stuff. I forget exactly where I picked that one up, but um, it's good to hear that the manager doesn't feel that or there's no kind of real um, or any material substance to that at this point. And you know, sentiment. if if everything that we, we read is as uh, two around players, um, you know, from your what is it, your, your cousin's barber's neighbour that the Ange says that you get your, your info from. Um, you know, if he is going to leave this January, he's in the short window just now. So if that's the case, you know, it, it only benefits players, sport about Juranovic, who's another one of these guys in that category. Um, it only benefits players to be, be playing at their skin and having top performances. Um, and just these, these are the comments here, Quilly, uh, Quinny, um when he was asked about whether he would still be part of the squad, he said, I, I see no reason why not. I just deal with what is in front of me, and until I'm told otherwise or something significant happens, he was here tonight, mate, so you could have asked him yourself. So he just batted <laughs> that away. Um, you know, a, a, a first-class baseball player hit that right out of the park. Um, yeah, absolutely. You know, no, no doubt about it. He's still very much part of the, the, the team, and it should benefit him that you know, at the weekend, he was we're talking about a current Celtic player. He came off the bench, he scored the goal. That was an important goal. I already mentioned that he was kind of caught up in that penalty controversy, as I say. Consistency. If you're not going to give one, you can't give that one. Um, and, you know, it was a typical Yakimakis in the right place at the right time moment. That's it. It was a great goal for him, and like I was, I, it all happened right in front of me, and like it felt like a, I did feel like a bit of a bye, you know, and obviously I didn't play last night, so. I think a lot of it is well and fair that that means it is curtains, but we'll, we'll see. The Japanese league starts exactly in one month from today if he has to go to Urawa. The other link he's got is to Atlanta United. They have just released uh, a guy called Joseph Martinez, who's like their biggest ever player. He's like, you know, won them cups, top goal scorer in all time. He's went to Miami. So they're the, they're the two teams hotly linked to him. Both their seasons are not imminent. They're not starting tomorrow. And um, the kind of last reports I picked up was that you know, Celtic, you know, the last reports I heard, or the first reports I heard about the Uruma thing, it said it was expected in Japan in a few weeks. And from what we've seen and what we've heard, it kind of does feed into the narrative that there's no real rush to push Jack Marcus out the door. There is people interested. He's probably going to get a deal done. And here, yeah, we've got our two weeks to sort it out. And there's still some football games to be won. Aye. There's plenty That's of time left. Um, we're recording this to the 19th of January. If he's going to be involved in the weekend, you're looking at the kind of last full week. In January, and you know what the transfer transfers can be like. You, know, you can be in the last day, and a deal can get done. So um, until until that big clock uh, chimes twelve on the the thirty first of January, we, we know then that you know nothing is uh, done and complete. But the manager certainly, you know, it's twice that we said it. He said it again last night. He is hopeful of bringing in another player, and you would assume at this time whether Jakimakis goes or stays probably will be a striker. Yeah, I think that's the main spot that now that needs filled is because we've seen Maeda come off the bench for Kyogo and run that kind of second striker job and like we've all kind of spoke about the potential he's got to do that. And I think in the, the short to immediate term, like there's no problem with that. James Forrest is in great form and great fit. Oh, Haksibanovic is coming back and Jota and Abada are alive and kicking, you know, so that's six players for three positions. Like there is not a great immediate urgency. Im immediate urgency yeah that's that yeah they're all yeah, worse right. um, yeah, um, <laughs> um to, to go and get somebody but obviously there is a need and a desire but it is about 
the right person and the right profile and all that kind of thing. I think Jota played well last night. I thought he played well on the weekend as well. Um, not his best, but he's definitely getting back there. The stepovers still work. He still can pass a ball. He can still do the, all those basic stuff. We've not seen much magic from him. And I mean like real Jota magic um, since we've come back from the World Cup. But it feels like he's going up the gears and he looked pretty good last night. And uh, I was quite I was quite impressed with Abada as well. Felt like he had a good kind of 20 minutes in the game where he was really causing it and could have got a couple. Um and yeah, I, I was quite happy with the forwards overall. So I don't feel that like even with Forrest and Haksavanovich when they come on, Forrest could add a goal as well. It was chopped off, you know, rightly or wrongly. We could talk about that if you want. But like, I say six players to three positions. What's the rush? And we still have Jackie Marcus. <laughs> you know, so he's still there. And as I say, it's not a case that you know he's there and he's sitting in a huff and he's got his arms folded. He's coming on and he's you know the the weekend previous against Kelly. He put in a shift when he came on. He was unlucky. I think he hit the, the post yeah. twice. He's came on at the weekend. He scored against Kelly. He's missed out in the St. Martin game. I think if he's fit, you'll see him against Morton. And again, it'd be nice to see him get on the, the, the score sheet. Um, bit cryptic. Uh, again, on the old social media, I wish somebody would take his phone off him because I think he's he's causing a wee bit of stir with that. Um, you know, on to another cup final. People are going, oh, does that mean he's staying? And then enjoy every minute like it's your last. Oh, does that mean, does that mean he's leaving? Um, so... I wish somebody would just take the big man's phone off him. Um, but again, well, as a Celtic player, we'll talk about him as a Celtic player. Quentin Whaley's scoring for us will be, will be happy um, because he certainly played a part in our position at this point in time being nine points clear. And just to to look at that position um, overall, uh, somebody put up the, the graphic on Twitter uh, last night, I think Lint on Twitter as he's, uh, he's at. Um, and it was looking at Celtic after 22 games in the league, so this time last year, um, about a week short of last year, we went to Tynecastle. Uh, we won the game two one. If you remember right, Matt O'Reilly made his debut for Celtic. Um, he was outstanding. Rio Hitati scored an absolute bullet from about 25, uh-huh. 30 yards. And Yakimakis is that a year ago scored. to the now? It's nearly a year ago. A week in a week's time, it's a year ago. But it's twenty two games. Wow, twenty two league games, and incredibly. The swing is 13 points since then, Quinny. So when we went to to Tynecastle um, on that game, there we go, got it here. So at this point in time, Celtic sit on 61 points. Rangers are in 52, nine-point advantage there with a plus 23 goal difference. If you go to last season after 22 games, Celtic were on 51 points. Rangers were in 55 points after 22 games. Celtic had a plus three goal difference. So we're 20 goals better off and there's a 13-point swing in there, which says a lot about this team at this point in time. That's a great um, that's a great kind of uh, comparison, you know, uh, against each other. A great contrast. And, uh, you know, I put a big smile on my face because I remember watching that game. I watched that game, little silly story I'll tell for 10 seconds, but, like, I watched that game on my phone while camping on an island in Loch Lomond <laughs> with, uh, you know, like a tent got a boat and all that stuff. It must have been freezing in January time. I was pretty drunk, you know. So like, oh, well, you'll be all right then. I don't feel the cold if you are drunk. I wish I was at Amber on Saturday, by the way. I might have felt my toes a bit. It was a good one. It was one of those islands where um, what's the what's the animals that are on them again? The Australian ones. What do you call them again? Yeah. Well, no, what the, there's, there's still going to be kangaroos in Loch Lomond. No, it's not so a kangaroo. What's the other I one? I don't want to embarrass myself here. Somebody can drop in the comment section. I forget uh, the name okay. of the animal, but yeah. there's an Australian animal. It's not worth a lie. I've seen them. Okay. Uh, is that a wallaby? Is that what you call it? I, I, I don't is know if we wallaby? get wallabies in Scotland. I don't know. You do, mate. I, I, I promise. Uh, okay. 
And Island on Loch Lomond, I promise you, Wallaby. I'm sure it's Wallaby. Anyway, so I've watched that game there. So I've got good memories of that game. I think I did pretty well in fantasy football as well and had a good time overall. So yeah, great contrast. And like that's the kind of stuff that we're talking about when we see this progress in the team. And yeah, we're still beating like St Mirren, you know, the end score was 4-0. Kamarnock was 2-0. And like, I think there was actually like four goals in the Kamarnock game as well. But we're getting into that vibe of getting threes and fours back on the scoreline again. And last season, we only started to find that form towards the back end, like we're speaking about. So we've enjoyed a season of like having a good effort towards, you know, pushing those standards that we've been crying out for, particularly on this podcast, you know. And Hitate was a huge part of making that happen last night. And I think somebody who had a great game last night, but did not impact the match thoroughly, was probably Matt O'Reilly. Like, again, mm-hmm. that might kind of raise some eyebrows or whatever. He didn't really put a foot wrong. He didn't. And again, like the thing about Much O'Reilly, like Callum McGregor, you know, he's quiet yeah. about his business, but he makes uh-huh. a big impact in the game. It's just faultless. He just didn't do anything wrong. He didn't really grab the game by the scruff of the neck, make many shots or anything like that. But he was in the right place to link up with people and he was putting other people in position all the time. Johnson and Abada, particularly on the right, there was a great kind of triangle going on between those three. Um, and I thought, you know, like that, that's that, all that backbone going together, you know, and... Yeah, it's a great contrast from this year to last. It's such a huge, stark difference already. And I don't even think we're in fourth gear yet. No Carter Vickers no. last night, you know? No. Like... <laughs> and that's interesting figure. That's what no I'm, I was kind of hinting at, you know, at the start of this, that, you know, using the terminology, a turning point last night, so the right phrase at all, but it seemed as if Celtic just went up that wee extra gear last night that we, we were yet to see in 2022, it's 2022, 2023, Um and I've just checked out there so that in case there's any David Attenborough lovers in the comments, Quinny, wallabies are, are wee kangaroos. So it wasn't the wallabies. So we'll, we'll need to find out what animal this is. You'll need to f- try and work it out and then you can get back to anybody that, that comments on it. Um, but that isn't our, our main issue there now. Um, <laughs> but it is, it's a stark contrast. And even, you know, Rangers won uh, 1 0 that, that midweek that we're talking about. And Celtic were four points behind them. Obviously, the, the Derby game comes after that. We, we beat. Dundee that United late on with Rangers drawn and then the swing comes then but 13 point swing after you know 22 games a season apart plus 20 goals on that is ridiculous and the other thing you know to build in bring in some more stats Celtic have lost one game in the league in 54 in the league one in 54 matches that is you know if you look at it's not far off was it 69 Games Brendan Rodgers' team went undefeated. It was, it was, um, it was like a season and a half at least. That would indicate, you know, as going to the end of this season, um, and obviously that was domestically as a whole, we're not in that position, um, but it's still really impressive in terms of the, the league games. I need to have a look back to see how many games Brendan actually went undefeated in the, the, the league. Um, obviously, 38 games in a season is invincibles, and then just to build the, the league games into that, but a really impressive. A record that one in fifty four Quinny, an even more impressive record to pull another one out the hat here. Um, Celtic last lost a midweek game in May twenty sixteen. Beautiful, I love a midweek. <laughs> that's, ridiculous, that's ridiculous, isn't it? What do you think about yeah. it? May twenty sixteen. <laughs> what a great statistic! Eh? <laughs> so that's you know hopefully that continues on to this May, and that'll be seven years. I mean, time, you know, in the league, that is absolutely... I mean, that's baffling to think, is, you know, and, over the course and, see, of how many games you'll play midweek in the league. Totally. 
Because it's always like, uh, well, I know last night we were at home, but quite often it is an away fixture, and it may be like Ross County or Motherwell, Aberdeen. Aberdeen. Or something like uh, These kind of things. So it's not always plain sailing is showing up at home, you know, kind of thing. But I'm um, also just thinking about the contrast from, you know, this point in the, the calendar against last year. That was also last year off the back of like a Europa League campaign where like a lot of these guys were transferring in and out, international duties, whatever. And the results that we're seeing this season, we've had to jam in a Champions League campaign on top yeah. of that as well. Uh, you know, a tighter Champions League campaign as well, Quinny, because that was something me and you spoke a lot about on here in the first part of the season. Yeah, was the calendar being so different because of where the World Cup was? That one of the biggest impacts you and I thought had in Celtic's Champions League a campaign was it being our first time in the competition? And for instance, that back to back with Leipzig happens within, I think, six days. It's not even a week. Yep. Um, I think we play them over there the Wednesday. Then we have them at Celtic Park on the Tuesday, which is a really quick transition to having a Champions League. Uh, the competition wrapped up first week in November. Would I be correct in mm-hmm. saying that? Yeah, because we, we played Madrid at the very start of November. Um, so building all that in, you know, very, very difficult. So I think that's another very good point that you make there against tougher oppositions when you're, you've not got that ability to, to possibly we didn't take the Europa League, but you could see at times, you know, where the squad was, it wasn't the best of shapes. But yeah, it's a really good point. And where the World Cup is, you know, I was standing there on Saturday at Hampton thinking, bloody hell, you know, anybody that's against summer football here must be absolutely off their rocker. Um, <laughs> because... <laughs> As I say, footballers don't want to play in those type of conditions. Generally, this would be the kind of time it'd be coming back to the football. It was freezing last night at Celtic Park. Um, you know, through COVID, I would have bitten your hand off to be at Celtic Park on a cold night like that. But when the option could possibly be on the table to have some form of summer football, I don't know why it's not considered. And you could see that, you know, the Hamden pitch just wasn't up to it at all um, for a January game, which they need to get sorted out for next month. I don't know how they sort that out. Whether they rip it up and start again as the old Orange Juice song goes, or they do something magic, uh, spray something on it that, you know, some sort of strange toxins to to, to sort it out. But, um, you know, not to make this a, a grass cutting uh, podcast, when the pitch was atrocious for a national stadium, a semi final spectacle at a national stadium. Yeah, it definitely didn't help at all. And, like, in terms of the summer football thing, the only thing I would say, like, would make me kind of in favour of that kind of thing primarily is like, I don't think it can, I'm a dad, right? I've got two kids. I don't think it can be underestimated how in the summer months, if I could go and take my two boys to like a Dumbarton match or something like that, and it's like a fiver for the two of them and a tenner for me to get in. I don't live in Dumbarton, right? But just as an example, you, you put them through that. Listen to this. No, but you know what I mean? Like some, <laughs> you know, but you know what I mean? Like if you live somewhere like mean. Dumbarton or Montrose or Arbroath and or it, whatever, it, it probably it's appeals summer to and people. it's nice weather. Aye, and it probably appeals to people that aren't even that big football fans. I mean, one team I've been keeping an eye on is Queen's Park and and the Championship. You know, aye, Queen's Park's one I'm thinking, you know, with the hipsters over there in uh, Shorelands and whatever else. I like to hang out over there sometimes myself, but I wouldn't (laughs) count myself as a a hipster boy. Um, But, you know, people are like, oh, I've got along to the football today. It's a nice day and whatever else, you know. I think it would even encourage people out with And you've got a family, that's like a great wee afternoon session. Yeah, you know, it's an easy yeah. one. Take the kids to the football, it's a nice day, it's just doing the road, yeah. you don't need to go mm-hmm. too far. Yeah. So I think rural Scotland, or not rural, but outside, you know, Celtic I, I know what point you're getting probably at, see though. an increase in attendance. Aye, I know what point you're getting at. But back to um, our Alan <laughs> Titmarsh conversation, <laughs> the, the pitch was atrocious. Yes, it definitely was. It didn't help. And like, um, you know, from where I was sitting, 
to be honest with you, like I've been to Hamden, I think that was my fourth visit, right? And that's the first time I've always been in with the Celtic fans, right? But I don't know what it is or where I've been sitting. But the on Wednesday there or Saturday, whatever day it was, sorry, I, I missed kickoff because I went to like the wrong part and I had to come back out and round again, like to get to the right turnstile. And I missed kickoff and I must have got into the game like one minute in or something. And I was in the East Stand, like with like the main Celtic kind of, you know, the Celtic end as it was. I think but you I've were never close to me. I was in F1. Oh, yeah. So I don't think you were um, that far from me. Check the ticket. I was in F1. There we go. Same I was in F1. Aye, So same bit. Well, so I was late. I've never, I've never come into Hamden in that side ever. I don't know where else okay. I've been sitting or whatever. But I was late, mate. Night time. I know it was raining. The weather was awful. The, p- the pitch was awful, right? But I see, I've never come in Hamden that side before. And I came up the stairs. And you know what it's like at that bit? Anyone who's been there. You come up, and as soon as you get there, you see the top row straight away. And then it's just like this big, this this big bowl. You just see all the fans mm. all the way out and round. Under the floodlights, under the rain and all that. And as I came up, Celtic are on the pitch. We're playing good, passing the ball around and all that. And... um. You know, I've always hated Hamden, right? But I'm telling you, see the first 10 minutes I got into that game, I've not, I, honestly, it was a great feeling. I've, I was totally buzzing. I was singing it's like that as well. Starting to become a Hamden convert. Oh, mate, I was like, I get it, man. I was almost like, I, I, I don't mind saying, like, but I was thinking about, like, family members I've got that are no longer with me and stuff like that, stories they told me and stuff like that. And like I said, I had a real, I had a real good first 10 minutes there. I was really happy to be there. I felt really, like, kind of, Mm-hmm. present in the thing if I, if I can say such a thing and not sound like an idiot but like I loved it but Hamden I, overall I do hate it and I wish they would change okay. it but when I had that little moment I thought like oh this is what old Hamden mate I had a bit of a feel of and then this is like mm-hmm. you know obviously I'm only of a certain age I don't remember these other things you know but um, but yeah they, it, from the moment I set <laughs> the moment I set eyes on Hamden why do they have a track why are we so far away from the pitch why is this, you know, it's so many things wrong with it, like mm-hmm. top to bottom. And in relative terms in the history of football, it's not an old stadium anymore. You know, they no. did spend money on it not that long ago. It's like, who thought this was an idea at any point in time? It's just mental. Uh, so, yeah, it's, I think there's, the, the pitch is probably the least of its problems, but it's a huge one. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, you know, it's a, a simple thing to get right, and it certainly wasn't that. Um and the surface should be good. Um, my, my relationship with Hamden is quite mixed. Going there, my first ever game there, Celtic get beat two 0 with Ross County in the Scottish Cup semi final, and Neil Lennon's first game in charge at Hamden as a Celtic boss. Be bit mixed. Um, first League Cup final we get beat with Rangers, so again it was looking very bleak for me. Then we won the Scottish Cup against Motherwell, and then you know a lot of really good memories there, especially you know under Brendan Rodgers. Latterly under Neil Lennon, you know, winning trophies there, the first one under Ange too. And uh, as someone who goes to, to every Scotland game, um, every home Scotland game, um, really good nights here recently. So I would say kind of in recent years I've started to come round to the place a wee bit, but I, I certainly agree with you, that there's a lot of improvements that could be made. Um, firstly, bringing the fans closer to the park. Um, but again, when you look at, not to d- defend the, the situation that they were in. When you look at the funding Wembley and some of the other stadiums got the Millennium too compared to Hamden. Hamden get the least funding. Um, I don't know who came up with that idea, as you say, with the track and all that stuff. Because surely if, that costs money. Who spends money on a track? Like, <laughs> you, know? I, you know, it should be a football venue first. And, uh, you know, with, with Queen's Park out of there now, you've not got a team playing on it 
every weekend. I know Willie Hockey and others have looked to make improvements to it, which I think would be very much welcomed. I think there's a team in gym. I don't know if it's one of the Berlin clubs who had a similar situation and then kind of brought the, the pitch forward with whatever they kind of dug into the ground, the, yep. the, uh, the seats and whatnot, because it's quite funny. Until you actually get to... Remember this we doing the, t- the tour years ago? See the the upper stand and the, the south stand that is across from where we would have been in the main stand. Uh-huh. It isn't until you get up there that you're actually at ground level because you're, you're dug in. You know, you obviously when you go into Hamden, uh, you go upstairs yeah. and walk down. It's not until that you're up at that level that you're actually at ground level again when you're in the national stadium. So quite interesting um, in terms yeah. of that. Um, a lot of good history there, be able to obviously, but I agree with you. There's a lot of um, improvements that could be made, but. Listen, by the amount of times that we've won trophies there over the years, um, I won't grumble about it because yeah. a lot of good football memories there. There's a lot of special football memories in general for people there. That's why it should be and better, Nick. You know, it's it's quite nice um, when I was in the Bernabeu doing the tour and having a look around, you know, Glasgow's there twice as it is two of the European Cups, which meant yeah. obviously won. Um, you'll remember that Zidane goal at yeah. Hamden. There's others too. You know, the the, the game, uh, the first one that I'm talking about there from 1960 when they beat on track Frankfurt 7-3, I think it was. Um, that's when, you know, Steen went along and get this idea of how to play football. One of his ideas of how to play football. Um, around the pivot with the centre-half and blah, 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 and the rest is history. So it should be in, in better nick as a national stadium. As I say, I think the pitches are least of our expectations and even that wasn't up to the standard at the weekend. So that's something um, that people you know, at the higher echelons of the SFA should really be having a serious look at themselves um, at about already 50 minutes in, 20. Um, Matthew Anderson, let's have a wee chat about him. He's not a person that I've spoken about too much in this podcast. We've spoken about Boston Lowell, we've spoken about Rocco Vata. Benny Summers has latterly came into that that conversation. But the other day, Tuesday, um, it came out that, that Matthew had signed a new deal at the club until 2025 he's currently the b team captain um he's still a, a young man in terms of that and as i say i had the opportunity to speak to the manager on tuesday a couple of hours after that was announced um, and i'd asked him about anderson um about committing his future to the club and really really interesting quinny that the Ange postacoglu said he's one of a number of players in the b team who you should expect to make an impact in the first team in the next 60-12 months what do you make of that kind of comment? That is a uh, that is very interesting, yeah. Because like, yeah, that's a good one. Because it's a <clears throat> I don't follow the B team like ultimate closely, so it's a, you know, I didn't realize that it's contract and all that had been done this week. But yeah, to hear the manager make such a, a comment like that definitely does raise it does raise the attention because the team is so stacked. You know, we didn't really talk about the midfield last night. We kind of touched on Hitati's excellence and a wee bit of bits and bobs, but like. Um, you know, like the the whole team is double. You know, the, we've spoke about the forwards, the defence, the midfield. Like everyone, there's two to a position. You know, so to have such a, you know, it's not necessarily a guarantee, but it's such a brash statement to make. You know, like expect to see this. You know, like, I was quite surprised because you know, you know, the mainstream's not going to ask that, and I always think as fan media, I know a lot of the other guys and girls that do this. Always try and ask questions that are in the interest of ourselves as fans. You know, we want to see. 
not just the 11 players in the park, but everything else that goes on in the background there. I get really good insight into James Forrest working with Harry Cool the other day, who's been, who was talking about, you know, helping him when he was only playing a game a week, doing extra drills with the players. Uh, being late, you're selling Saturday, you wouldn't have seen this, but everybody had went in, and my head, I was still in the park doing drills with Harry Cool. It was only they two from the team that was left out there, apart from the subs. Um, Nice. It's really good to get insights like that, I think, for us as fans. And that's been one of the great things with fan media getting in there, that you're able to ask questions that the main team press just, just aren't asking because it's not going to be a, a newspaper headline for them. But to me, this was quite a, a headline grabber. And I'm really kind of taking it back to how positive the comments were about this. Celtic FCB actually tweeted it out in their official uh, Twitter account too, which I was pretty chuffed about. But to take the quote directly, it says, over the course of the next 6 to 12 months, They'll start to make an impact at first-team level. I really believe that. And he's talked about Matthew Anderson, Boson Lavo, Benny Summers and Rocco Vata and that, that conversation. Um, and Anderson's one who I've noticed a wee bit um, because he's the captain, obviously. But from other people that's went along to watch them, they've been saying he's one of the standout players. He plays left-back and he wears the kit number 63. Does that remind you of somebody? <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's lovely. A left-back for the number 63, eh, captain? Yep. Yeah, that's nice. Celtic, yeah. Good vibes, uh, good vibes to be had from that for sure. Because again, like we do have Juranovic in at left back at the moment, and there is obviously still work to be done with Bernabe, the manager believes. You know, like I've kind of seen in the appearances that he's had, like he is clearly not quite, you know, finished article level. Um, and I think the absence of him, like it's probably a little bit of Juranovic getting shot window time, you know, especially after yeah. that horrible. Be back in the weekend, Bernabe, I would imagine. I think Bernabe will start against Morton. Yeah, I could see that as well for sure. But um but yeah, so like but again when Taylor's fit, like Taylor's like immovable, I think, you know. Mm-hmm. So um but no, it's, it's, it's uh, that's great to hear that he's uh, sixty three as well. That's fantastic. He's it's only eighteen too, so you know that there's plenty of time there, plenty of promise. Um but I just thought it was a really positive thing to, to come out of that, you know, because I wasn't expecting something, you know, as kinda of impactful from that as a manager, you know, sometimes uh, you know, when you maybe ask those questions about the B team, you expect you know, I can answer about him, you know, he's improving every week and what else. But to come out with something like that, I think it's pretty bold and it's something that I would trust him saying. You know, but we know that Andrew Postacoglu doesn't say things if he doesn't mean it. Um, and again, you know, how well, he does had... like to tell a few porky pies. Well, that, been... that's, that's, that's <laughs> only when it comes to the benefit of the, the team to tell some porky pies. That's absolutely fine. Um, but when it's generally about the, the, the yeah. team. I know, but I totally uh, believe in this instance. Of no, course. no, no. Um, but, you know, having a Dan a day on the, the podcast, that is there. If anybody's not checked it out while you're doing that and you're you're clicking the mouse, you can link the video and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already done so. Get that plug in there just now. Um, when we spoke to Dan about it, you know, he'd spoken about how much him and Stephen managed to talk to, to Ange, and he's saying that he sees clear improvements in the team. They are in the mix at the top of that league just now, great result against Wolves. They're down there playing in a tournament to beat Wolves are like 4-2. And um, nice. so a great result. And he's seen that improvement happens. And it's quite nice to see that. And, and if we get to that point, Quinn, in the next 6 to 12 months, basically towards the end of the back end of this season, if there's you know some game time availability for some of these guys, I'm really excited with that. Um, because that's what we want to see. And that Celtic can go out and shop in markets, but you've also got some guys that are chatting in the door that are academy graduates that's coming through into the first team. Yeah, and Boston Lobano as well, and Rocco Vata on top of that. Like, that's, 
that's the names that we've heard for a while, you know, and yeah. we've been Benny Summers the, is another one, the, and, and, yeah. and Summers as well. You know, we want to see them get into the picture, you know. So I think there's still a little bit of dead wood to clear the way for them. But actually, that maybe takes, you know, in, in terms of spots in and in, in that kind of thing, like one person we've not really spoke about from last night that I, I was eager to, to, to get your take on it's is Turnbull. Uh, Turnbull. Yeah. yeah, Turnbull. Yeah. So what do you reckon? He'll play against Morton, I reckon, for sure. But the celebration, he walks away with the wee just, oh, yeah, just it's no, a typical, no big shakes. It's a tup- typical... Turnbull goal, um, knuckleball or whatever you want to call it. Um, take some curve on it. Fantastic strike. He obviously made the goal for Jackie Marcus at the weekend, um, having a dig too. Guy in my bus last night said, yeah, he's too good a player to be in the bench for us every week. He'll probably be looking elsewhere. But he's still really young, David Turnbull. He's still, I think, got a bit to develop. Um, he's always had that injury problem towards the back end uh, last season, having... I think he played in every game under Ange Postacoglu. But, you know, in terms of where I would say midfielders are, in terms of, yep, who's the stick on being Callum McGregor, who's always kind of in there, it's Hatati O'Reilly. It's then probably Aaron Moy, then David Turnbull. Um, Iwata coming in, I don't really know where, where that puts him. Um, but again, I think he's a good footballer. He's got that in his locker. And he can certainly play the system. Wish you're taking things, Quinny, because I, again, I don't know if there was any interest in David Turnbull. What kind of price tag he would go for? As I say, I think he's a good player. As long as he's happy in and around the squad, he's certainly a player that I would look to having around the team because I think he's a you know a decent player. Yeah, I've not really seen there been room in the squad for him when he's been directly rotated with Fatati because they're very different to what they do on that left side of midfield, but. Um, for anyone that paid attention to this kind of thing, when they make, when he came on last night, Turnbull actually more replaced O'Reilly on the right hand side, and Moy went on to the left. So he was then and Turnbull. You want Turnbull in the final third. You know, you want him in attacking midfield. That's his bread and butter. That's his optimal position. And yeah, maybe just because of the way we play, you do expect him to cover positions and track back, and he needs to do that stuff if he's not doing it to the manager's expectations. But ultimately, like playing in that job that Rio does peeling out left and doing interplays on the wide area and tracking up and down the line, playing with the, the ball that way. I don't think suits him. I don't think there's a place in the Celtic team for him doing that. But when you see him come on for O'Reilly and going into attacking midfield, you can get goals like that out of him. He made the he got the assist for Jackie Marcus in the semi-final as well, I'm sure, if memory serves me right. That's what I'm saying. You know? It's says short. Yeah, it says short. Yeah. Um, and so, he's, only, he's only 23 at this point in time, Turnbull, but just had to be quick. Look, their contract's up next year. So you'll see movement on that probably, you know, in the next six months' time that Celtic will either offer him a new deal, which you'd want to do, whether he's a keeper or where he's going to go. Um, but as I say, I think he's a good player. Um, I always like kind of having those homegrown players in around the team. It wouldn't really surprise me, um, but we've spoken about Scottish football almost being a kind of feeder to to Serie A, if a team, you know, we're having a wee look at him, you know. Um, he would do great in Italy. Aye, people would put him in that kind of similar mould to a guy like Lewis Ferguson. I think he's a better player than Lewis Ferguson. Um, but, you know, looking at his game time this season, he's played 24 games. So it's not as if he's no featured at all for Celtic. I mean, that's a, a fair amount of games when he's played. 17 Premiership games, five in the Champions League and two of the League Cup. Three goals, five assists. Um not a bad record either. You know, that's kind of contributing every one in three games. I mean, a lot of that time probably came off the bench. So, um, yeah. but league of Champions wise, League, he's only made six starts this 
in the last six months. Aye, um, but but minutes wise, you know, it's, it's just looking here. Um, I'm just using transfer market as my guide here, which isn't always bang on. It's 17 games in the Premiership, and it's 650 minutes. So it's in terms of minutes wise compared to game time, probably not what you'd be looking for. But he has featured a good bit for Celtic this season. Yeah. For sure, but I think he's much better. He's a much better foil. He's a much better um, squad competition for O'Reilly, I think. And maybe we've not really seen the opportunity in the squad for like since Moy came in. We had McGregor injured also for the most part of that. So maybe a big part of the thinking for the manager is Moy in Rio becomes the the automated substitution, and then that means Turnbull can be more of the attacking rotator with uh, O'Reilly because sometimes when we've seen Moy come on for O'Reilly, it's not been that great. But what then happens with Awata? There's the issue now. McGregor. That's you know, he's mm. the CDM, you know, that's what he's meant to be anyway. So it's rotation relief for him, or maybe it is for O'Reilly. If you're not going to put Turnbull on, you're not going to keep attacking the team, you might try and stop back. Maybe you want McGregor to go forward. So maybe then he's got a bit of a Wata to worry about. Mm-hmm. Um but Moy might look- be much more of a real swapper. As you're looking at that, you're kind of six in. Um McGregor Awata, uh, O'Reilly, Hatati, Moy Turnbull. Is he kind of the six in there? Um yeah, players. Yeah, aye. Axel has the ability to do that and as well for like 10 minutes the ability to, to drop into, um, but it was a great goal, as I say. But I think you're bang on. We'll see him probably play against Morton at the weekend. We'll see who else play against Morton at the weekend. I expect another wee bit of rotation, and the team might even be a chance to see somebody like Rokovata come on from yeah. the, 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 the bench again. Um, Quinny, pleasure as always. It's been a quick hour with two games to digest. See, I'll take back in. Another final in the VIA Play Cup final will take on Rangers next Woo-hoo. month, the 26th of February. Um, we'll all be looking forward to that. And we've got Morton up first in the, the Scottish Cup uh, this weekend. So we'll be digesting that next week when we're back on um, before the visit to Tanadice. As I say, if you've been watching, please do like the video, subscribe to the channel. Have a good week, everyone. Quinny, pleasure as always. And here we go.